Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse, verse 5, Paul says this. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. I said, therefore, God, because of that, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, not a name, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue shall confess. We're starting a new series today called The Name of Jesus. The Name of Jesus. Is the name of Jesus that important? If so, why is it important? And who is it important to? Amen. But what I want to do today, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to get into this over the next few weeks. I don't know how many weeks this is going to be. Usually in message series that the Lord gives me, I'm able to strategize with the, with the Holy Spirit's able to strategize with me. And, uh, you know, we kind of plan it out and it's going to be a four week series or a six week series. And uh, with this one, I, I just don't know. We just have to see where the where the Lord takes us. Amen. Um, and I believe he's going to take us. Uh, to a place of understanding and a place of revelation. Amen. Peter said, I believe it's in 1 Peter chapter 2. Some of the things that, um, you know, you'll hear in this series, especially many of you who I know, uh, you will have heard before. I realize that. But Peter, when he was standing before the disciples, I believe it was in 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, let me remind you. Okay. So I'm just telling you this morning that some of those things, all I'm saying is let me remind you. If Peter can remind you, then Brother Mike can remind you, amen, uh, and God is reminding all of us, okay, so don't be worried, uh, you know, if you, you hear some things that you've heard before, I believe that some things will be reminders and some things will be uh, some further revelation for some of us, amen, and so before we get into um, some of the maybe deep things about the name of Jesus and what the name means and the importance of the name and the authority of the name because we have to get into that. That's the whole point of it, okay? Uh, we will get in that in the coming weeks. I need to establish some things today um, and uh, just as a foundation, as a kicking off point, okay? And so you may say, well, where we're going, I don't, I don't understand you said the name of Jesus, and are you going in a roundabout way? Yeah, I may be going in a roundabout way, but we'll get there together. Amen? So just stick with me, strap in, and we'll, we'll go on this journey together. I was reading a story, and I, I believe it's a fictitious story, but a good story nonetheless, about this lady uh, named Boomalicious. 
I know, it's a funny name, isn't it? Boomalicious. <laughs> uh, she had worked for this family called the Levenbergs um, for more than 25 years. She belonged to an army of hardworking uh, African-American women, but she really has African heritage. And um, so she was in uh, this country, but she had a very thick accent, okay? And um, this was in the 1970s, and they made the daily 35-mile train trek from their homes in Chicago's, on Chicago's south side to clean homes in the upper middle class neighborhood, uh, northern sub, uh, suburbs. Uh, and her name, uh, Boominicious, not Boominicious, Boominicious, all right? Rhymes with Mamalicious, but Boominicious, all right? And it sounded odd to the Levenbergs, right? And they realized that many African-Americans, you know, had unique names, just like, you know, Jewish names. They can be very unique Irish names. Uh, and African-Americans, you know, sometimes they have unique names. And their affection for Boominicious deepened over the years. They really uh, loved her, okay? And um, they hardly gave her name a second thought after a while. But one day, Sue Levenberg and the kids they were watching a movie in the den of their house, okay? And um, while Dan sat nearby in the kitchen, the dad, he was over at the counter doing some routine paperwork. Um, Boominicious, Dan said. I just realized that after all these years, I've never actually written your name down. And I'm embarrassed to ask that, uh, could you tell me the spelling of your name? She said, sure. M-A-R-Y-G, I mean, J-A-N-E. M-A-R-Y-J-A-N-E. He said, Mary Jane? I thought your name was Boominicious. She said, no, my name, that's not my name. When I first started working here, you asked me for my name. I told you that it was Mary Jane, but most people call me by my initials. She had a very thick African accent, by my initials. So they started calling her Boominicious. She said, you misunderstood my Negro accent and started calling me Boominicious. There was a moment of silence and then howls of laughter on all sides. <laughs> Do you mean that for a quarter of a century we've been calling you by the wrong name? And she, why didn't you tell us? Well, she said, first I tried to, but then, you know, I realized I kind of liked it. <laughs> Many of us don't understand, many of us hear things and we just begin to do it out of routine. And I believe that with this series, we're in the name of Jesus. Many of us just say the name of Jesus and use the name of Jesus, not realizing why, not realizing there's a purpose. It's just because we go to church and we hear people use the name of Jesus. So we figure we should say Jesus. I mean, he was the son of God and his name is mentioned several times uh, in the New Testament. And so the, the name of Jesus, that's what we know, right? In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. That means that we are legal, legal, legally entitled, okay, uh, to inherit the estate of another person who died. We're co-beneficiaries with Jesus himself. And for many of us, we would say, uh, wow, okay, that sounds good, but we don't really get a revelation of what that actually means. So in order to understand the significance of the name of Jesus, 
we must understand why we need the name of Jesus. Names are important, right? We would know that. If somebody calls you out of your name, you may get upset, okay? Names carry deep personal, cultural, familial, historical connection. They also give us a sense of who we are, the community which we belong to, and our place in the world. In fact, Proverbs 22 says a good name is more desirable than great riches, and to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I think of Simon, a disciple named Simon, and Simon was following Jesus. Simon was uh, unsteady. Simon was a hothead. All right. And, uh, you know, he, Simon, he wasn't reliable. All right. But Jesus looked at him one day and said, your name is Peter because he answered a question. He had a revelation about who Jesus was. He said, your name is Peter, which means rock. And so he's calling this guy who's unstable, unreliable, a rock. You see, names very often speak to who we are. They don't just identify us so that someone will be able to see you and recognize you, but it often speaks to who we are. A good name is more desirable than great riches. So is the name of Jesus important? If it is, why is it important? Well, let me today answer three questions that will get us on the road to answering that ultimate question about the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's answer three questions. The first one is, has to do with a spirit. We, we hear a lot about spirits. You know, even the world talks about spirits, and there's many shows about ghost stories and spirits. And, you know, who is a spirit? That's question number one. Who is a spirit? Well, the answer to that question is, you are a spirit. You are a spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, says, therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, by the way, let me, let me digress for a moment. We read uh, Philippians chapter 2, and it talked about every knee shall bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those below the earth, and every tongue shall confess. That word, their tongue, speaks to not just someone who has a tongue, but someone who's able to speak. We, we would know that because right after that it says tongue will confess. So the context there is able to speak. So we're talking about human beings who are able to speak. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, what is he talking about here? Many of us who gave our life to Christ at some point in our life would look in the mirror and say, what has passed away? I still see the wrinkles. I still see the goofy smile. <laughs> I still see the hairline. I still, what, what has passed away? Well, God has brought forth through Christ a new creature, a new creation in Christ. That new creature and that new creation is a spiritual creature or spiritual 
creation. It's not talking about your physical body, nor is it talking about your soul. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Say that with me. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. One more time. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I... You are a spirit. That is who you are, who and what you are. You have a soul that belongs to you, and you live in a body that you have to do something with. Come on. So this scripture, when it talks about old things have passed away, it's not talking about in the physical. It's not talking about, uh, you know, your physical body, anything on your physical body. That's something you have to do something with. You've got to go to Planet Fitness. Come on. Some of us need to more than others. All right? You don't want to gotta stop eating so much bacon and drinking so much Pepsi for the body. But, but God deals with the spirit. And I'll show you that. So what are these old things that have passed away? Well, number one, alienation from God, separation from God. That has passed away. No longer have that. Spiritual death, that has passed away. I know we're talking about why do we need the name of Jesus. We're going to get there. We're going to get to the importance of it, the authority of it, all of that. Sin consciousness is one of those things that has passed away. If there is any sin consciousness in you, it's because you're allowing your flesh to bring it up. But in your spirit, that is something that's passed away. You should have a righteousness consciousness. Now, my wife gave a testimony. We were doing Connect class, and she gave a testimony about coming to the Lord and how when she came to the Lord, it was really out of fear. It was one of those things where, listen, you are at the age now of decision, and if you don't make a decision and you get hit by a bus tomorrow, you are going to hell. So you better accept the Lord. And she was with fear and trembling, say, well, I better accept the Lord. But I want to tell you something this morning. God doesn't want you to serve him out of fear, out of reverence. I understand we use that word sometimes interchangeably, but not out of fear. There is no fear when it comes to the Lord. You're not afraid we can go to the, the, the throne boldly. Amen? And so we have a righteousness consciousness. We don't sin anymore because of our consciousness, because we have a righteous consciousness, not a sin consciousness. Should we sin, it is our flesh. This is what Paul was talking about, which I don't have time to go into today. But go, go read it. Read Romans 7 and Romans 8. And Paul goes into detail about how those things that I don't want to do, I do do. And those things I do want to do, I, I don't do. And what I found is this law is working in me. Then it's not me that's sinning, but it's my flesh. Why can he say that? Because I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. So me, the real me, has allowed that which I have and that which I live in to sin. And I need to do something about that. I need to do something about that. So now that we are righteousness conscious, we have a responsibility to, a responsibility to do something about this body in more ways than one. And the soul. That's why I always say, listen, emotions, God created emotions. 
I have nothing against emotions. I'm reading a book now on feelings. Amen? It's important. We, God gave it. God doesn't give us something for nothing. He gave us. I didn't, I didn't give myself emotions. He gave it to me. So they're important. The issue is not that emotions are not important. The issue is we allow our emotion, emotions to control us. Instead of realizing that I am a spirit, I have a soul, which is where my emotions, my mind, my reasoning, and all of that is. I have that. But I'm in control of that. And I live in a body. And your spirit is aware of the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about who needs the name of Jesus. Over in John chapter 3, verse 3. The Bible says this, you remember here Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, okay? And the Bible says Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born again, that is God dealing with your spirit. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, okay? This is what it is, that unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? See, he, he's looking in the flesh. So many of us do that. This is what we see. We're, we're aware of our flesh, and that's what we see. And because that's what we see with these physical eyes, we believe that's all there is. We think maybe there's some spiritual world somewhere, but I can't see it, so I really don't deal with it. I mean, I do my devotions and I pray, but this is real. This is what I, we're talking about. And God's trying to tell you that, no, <laughs> this is just something I've given you. But the real you is a spirit, Nicodemus. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, you'll notice here that when you look at this, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. The first spirit uh, was capitalized. Theologians and whoever, you know, translated this, they decided to capitalize that first spirit for some reason because they understood that that was translated as the Holy Spirit. And then the second one is you, your spirit. See, this is, this is how you're born again. If you're born of the Holy Spirit, then your spirit is a new creature, a new creation. Your spirit, the Holy Spirit and your spirit, not your flesh. And by the way, a sideline note. Can I just teach for a moment here? A sideline note for all of us with Baptist backgrounds, okay? This is not necessarily talking about being baptized in water. Now, we talked about baptism, okay? We, we, we believe in baptism. In fact, we baptized someone last week. So absolutely, we believe in baptism. But this, but this scripture right here is not saying that you're not born again unless you're baptized in water. That's not what it's saying. That which is born of, of, 
of water and of the spirit. God deals with the spirit of man because that's you and we're conscious of our physical self. But what he's really talking about here is the water of the word. Remember, the Bible says washing by the water of the word. Washing with the water of the word. The word, the word, the word. So you have to respond to the word of God. Respond to the word of God. And you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The word see here in verse 3 means come to know. It doesn't just mean see. I can see the kingdom of God. Like I can see the kingdom of the United States or the United Kingdom or the, the kingdom of China. It's not talking about with your physical eyes. The word see here really is translated come to know or perceive or understand it. Just because you don't see it with your physical eyes doesn't mean it isn't here. Nicodemus is thinking in the flesh and Jesus is speaking spiritually. And you can't know it. You can't come to know the kingdom without being born from above. And that's really how that should be translated. When Jesus said born again, what he's really saying is born from above. Your spirit is born. You can't enter the kingdom without being born of word and spirit. All right? Ephesians 5, 26. Well, let me just go back to, to, to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he, Jesus, might present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church. He's talking about the water of the word here, the water of the word. So you're not born again unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. Now, God is the father of spirits. You ever, you ever heard this term, um, you know, where, where people talk about we're all children of God, you know, like all of us, you know, we're all, all of us in the world, we're, you know, we're all just children of God anyway. And so that's why, you know, we need to coexist. Well, I'm coming against anything. Don't get offended. I understand it. But listen, you know, people talk about we're all brothers and sisters. But I want to, but that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't translate biblically. Hebrews chapter 12. Turn over there if you would. If you, if you got your device or you got your Bible, because I just want you to see this real quick, something you've read before. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, look with me, uh, if you can, real quick at uh, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9 says, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? God is a Father of spirits. He is a Father of spirits. Everything reproduces after its own kind. You put two dogs together, you're going to get a dog. Okay? 
I know, I know people are trying to genetically modify things, but I just mean all things being equal, all right? Two people come together, you're going to get a person, all right? Everything produces after its own kind. And if God, the Bible says that God is a what? Spirit. So if God produces something, it's going to be a? Now, I'm not talking about creation. All of us were created by God. But there's a big difference in being created by God and being a child of God. All things were created by God. By him, for him, through him were all things created. But who is a child of God? Who has eternal life? Well, let's go to that. That's our next question. Who has eternal life? Here's the answer to that. You, if you have confessed Jesus with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you have eternal life. Let me just show you something. Over in John chapter 5, I'm telling you, this is just a foundation. I know you think we're going all the way around, you know, what's the old term, Robin Hood's barn? Uh, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. All right, John 5, 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, there's, see, there's my word again, okay? He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. It's the same formula in the Bible, same formula. Hear the word and believe. All right, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed. Somebody say has passed has passed from death to life. <laughs> he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. To me, if has, I don't know about you, because I wasn't an English major in college, but to me, if I hear the word has, it means it already has happened. That's what it means to me. Not that it will be or that it will happen. So if you has everlasting life then you have everlasting life you're not going to get everlasting life you has it already I told you I wasn't an English major now come on you have everlasting life already and when it says you shall not come into judgment that's talking about the white throne judgment again not going into that today but that's talking about determining if you're a Christian or not or if you're going to be with the Lord or not there is going to be other judgment that talks about rewards, okay? Some of us or you will get more rewards than others, all right? Uh, some have, uh, you know, come to know the Lord and then they just sit and watch football or go shopping and don't do anything the rest of their life. Well, you're still going to heaven, okay? But you will be judged, all right? And every work that you have done that wasn't initiated by God will be burned in the fire, okay? Be burned up. But you're still getting into heaven. So this is not talking about salvation judgment, all right? But has passed from death to life. It, has, it says has, not will have, but you have everlasting life already, okay? Has passed. Ha not passing, not going to pass in the future, but did. So we have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's already happened. You have passed. So if you have accepted the Lord in, in your life, you have accepted Jesus, 
then you have eternal life right now. A lot of us, we, we think of that in terms of when I die and go to heaven, then I'll have eternal life. But the truth is you have eternal life right now. You are now an eternal being. And you're going to shed this body that God gave you and get a new body not made with hands. But your spirit is already changed. You already have eternal life. Come on, somebody. Colossians chapter 1. Look at Colossians. Okay, go there with me. All right, I know you got your device, so you can go there easy enough. Come on. Colossians chapter 1. Look, look with me at verse 12. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Notice again here the term or the word has. He has delivered us. You aren't being delivered into the light. You aren't going to be delivered into the light, but you has been delivered into the light from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. See, into the saints, the saints, inheritance of the saints in the light. That's talking about revelation. The revelation of who God is. I want to throw something at you uh, because some of us, you know, we, we live our life and we're afraid of the enemy. We're afraid of the devil. We live in fear. Let me just tell you something about the devil. I, I believe that Satan doesn't really, really know who fully God is. Not like we, he doesn't have the same revelation we do. Now you're going to say, you crazy because he was with him in the beginning. Satan knows exactly who he is. I only say that because of this. I know the Bible says, I believe over in, in Isaiah, uh, uh, where it talks about how uh, Satan said, I will make myself like the Most High. Remember that? No, I will raise my throne above the Most High. That's what it said. I will raise my throne above the Most High. I have to just submit to you that it's impossible for you to have a full revelation of who God is and say such an ignorant, stump, dumb, stupid phrase like, I will exalt my throne above the most high. You, you got to be stupid, dumb, and ignorant to make a phrase come, like that come out of your mouth if you really know who God is, right? And so what I'm trying to tell you is he's not somebody to be afraid of. All he got to do is read the end of the book and he'll understand what happens, Right? But yet he's still doing all the things as, as if he can gain some kind of victory in the end. But he cannot. But fortunately for you, you has been translated into delight. You has been delivered from the power of darkness. That means I didn't know who God was. I didn't have a revelation of who God was. But now I'm in the light. This is why we can't get upset with people who uh, have not accepted the Lord Jesus in their heart and, you, and you're um, reasoning with them about the Lord and you're saying to them, you, how can you not understand creation? And, you know, you, you talk about the Big Bang and you talk about science, and the, but the, the, your theory doesn't hold water, uh, you know, of evolution. And, and they say, no, no, it's right. And you, you get so upset and frustrated you can't because they has not been delivered. 
they still in the darkness. Okay? I guess I better talk right. We are in a college town. You might think I talk like this all the time. But, um, but, they're, but they still, you know, you don't have a revelation of it, and you can't understand it. It's just like, you know, I, I've said this before uh, as well. It's just like me trying to say to my wife, well, you know, pregnancy isn't that bad. I mean, it, it hurts some, but, I mean, I know. I see the ladies. <laughs> Y'all about to rise up. <laughs> I know. That's a foolish statement to say. I can't possibly understand it. She can, she can tell me what it's kind of like. She can say if you break your leg and pull your upper lip over your head, you know, that kind of uh, gets you to uh, halfway there. So, you know, but, I, but I, I can't, there's no possible way for me to experience that. So you understand what I'm saying? If you're in the darkness, you, you can't see it. So it, it don't minister to people with great and deep revelation about John on Patmos and all that, trying to get them saved because they're not going to understand all that. You need to tell them Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for your sin. Okay? When you get over to this side, the, and when, once you has been delivered, boy, you're going to see some revelation that's going to blow your mind. In fact, some of you, you, you think that we're in the minority. You think Christians are in the minority, don't you? But when you, when you think about the heavenly hosts, and how big the universe is, whew. I mean, it's, it, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. So we, we go from death to life. You see, in the natural, we, 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 we go from death. We, in the natural, we go from, from life to death. We die at the end of our life. In the spiritual, we go from death to life, thank the Lord. So spiritually speaking, you're going from death to life. See, the end result of Satan's kingdom is death. The end result of God's kingdom is life. It is life. So when we're talking about this, who is a child of God? You, if you have accepted Jesus and you have said it with your mouth, you have confessed it with your mouth, then you, number three, are a child of God. You know, we are begotten of God. We are children of God. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as a son of God, if you have not accepted him, you are not the son of God, right? We, we hear, uh, you know, the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man. It's a philosophical statement, all right? It's not a biblical truth. Watch this. John chapter 1, verse 10 says this. It says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right I know the traditional King James says power, but I, leave, I believe the word is, is, is even correctly translated there. The right. You have the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if, so if, you, if you read this and it says, uh, you know, it, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many uh, as have received them, to them he gave. If you stop right there, whatever he gave has to do with those that received him. If you haven't received him, then he didn't gave anything to you. Right? You understand that? If you haven't received him, but to those who have received them, him, he gave the right to become the children of God. I submit to you, everybody is not a child of God. So the people who are not a child of God don't necessarily need the name of Jesus in the way, other than salvation. They have, you have to have the name of Jesus for salvation. 
But other than that, what we're going to get into in the next couple of weeks, they don't need it. They don't need the name of Jesus, right? The right to become. If they're going to become that, they couldn't have been that already. Come on. If, if you haven't received him, you don't have the right to become, right? First John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. This, this word believe also connotes action, okay? And down in verse 12 of First John chapter 5, he who has the Son has life. But it goes on to say, he who does not have the Son does not have life. I'm just trying to prove to you that if you don't have Jesus in your life, then everything else about the name of Jesus, it won't make sense to you. You'll think it's like some kind of magic or abracadabra. But I'm telling you this morning that what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks has nothing to do with magic, right? And it has, it has nothing to do with some false hope. And I just hope and wish that it, no, what we're going to talk about is something that is a proven principle. If you have Jesus, you have life. You have life. If you don't have him, you don't. So this morning we have to understand that there is no name. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to eternal salvation. There's no other way to lasting spiritual victory outside of the name of Jesus. When Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life, comma, accept Jesus, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Now, continue, and that more abundantly. So if we want the abundant life that Jesus is talking about, the overcoming life that Jesus is talking about, if we want to understand, brother, the authority of the name of Jesus, which we're going to talk about, you first have to have accepted him. You have to has been translated from darkness into light, right? There's no other way and no other name.